It's time now for Empowered Family Talk with Francita Holris. Do you want to empower families and young people in your community? Then take the time to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. The Coach Tate Foundation is dedicated to helping young people and their families in learning and passing on the kinds of life skills that we all need to succeed. All too often, we hear about kids and their families having encountered life's difficulties that could have been easily avoided by knowing better decision-making skills. From anger management to money management to something as simple as learning to manage how we spend our time or how we use our job skills. Make a donation to the Coach Tate Fund. It'll help kids who need help and their families too. Make your contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. Get details at www.coachtatefoundation.com. And oh, by the way, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to our third part of Lady Justice and God's Verdict, the acquittal on your pathway forward with your host, Francina Horace. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Good morning. It's family time. And welcome back, listeners. Our topic today is Lady justice and God's verdict, the acquittal on our pathway forward as we the peoples come together as a collective conscious for a common cause. Truth and justice, law and order within our individual and collective lives. Today for our next generation Amen. Now, welcome back, listeners, as we continue part three, our last part of the series, What is the Verdict? Written by Charles Hayden Spurgeon, August 16, 1885. He has a message, listeners, for today. What is the verdict? Scripture? 1 John 3, 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God? John 3, 21. Now, listeners, we left you with this. At this time, I shall bring before you first the trial in the inward court of the heart. We covered that last week. Today, we're going to cover number two, the acquittal pronounced by this court. If our heart condemn us not. And thirdly, we'll deal with today, the result, the confidence which comes of this acquittal. If our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Listeners, may the Holy Spirit teach us while we think on these things. Now today, the writing begins as such. Allow me, secondly, to speak to you upon a pleasing thing, namely the acquittal issued 
from this inward court. If our hearts condemn us not, observe that a man may get an acquittal, listeners, from the court of conscience, for the question laid before the heart can be settled. It can be ascertained whether I sincerely believe in Jesus Christ. It can be ascertained whether I sincerely love God and love his people. It can be ascertained whether my heart is obedient to the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are not hazy, mysterious problems, listeners, which can never be solved. The case may be clear one way or the other. This court has no difficulty before it beyond its faculty. It is quite competent, listeners, to decide the question in the light of Scripture by the help of our God. These questions, listeners, however, must be debated with great discernment. Suppose a person to be greatly tempted, to be tempted morning, noon, and night with foul temptations, listeners. Yet conscience must not say, quote, this person is no child of God because he is tempted, unquote. Let me say that again, listeners. Suppose a person to be greatly tempted, to be tempted in the morning, at noon, and night with foul temptations. Yet conscience must not say, quote, this person is no child of God because he is tempted, unquote. There is no sin, listeners, in being tempted. Since our Lord Jesus was tempted of the devil, and yet in him was no sin. Abundance, superabundance of a temptation is no proof against the sincerity of our faith in our God. On the contrary, listeners, it may sometimes happen that the more we are tempted, the more true is it that there is something in us to tempt. Some good thing in us, listeners, that Satan seeks to destroy. Again, the verdict of the heart, listeners, must be given with discrimination, or otherwise we may judge according to the outward circumstances, and so judge amiss. It would never do to say, quote, I am greatly afflicted in a state, in family, or in depression of spirits, and therefore, I cannot be a child of God, unquote. What? Are not God's children chastened? Listeners, are not God's children chastened? What son is there whom the father chases not? Now, listen, some of the best children of God have been the most afflicted. And let me say it pointedly, some of the purest Christians that have ever lived have had the most sickness to bear. And by that means they have been more, made more like heaven, even as the sycamore fig by being bruised becomes ripe. Now listeners, when therefore it is suggested that you are not a child of God because you are afflicted, the idea is not to be tolerated since we are born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. 
Neither again, listeners, do our imperfections or infirmities decide against us. An enlightened conscience saith this, listeners, quote, It is true this man hath sinned, but it was not of intent. But by inadvertence or surprise, his soul hates the sin into which he failed. He deeply regrets and repents of the, his offense, unquote. Listeners, the occurrence of sin in the life does not prove a man to be out of grace. Let me say that again. The occurrence of sin in a life does not prove a man to be out of grace. This prevalence of sin, listeners, the toleration of sin, the love of sin, the willful continuance in sin would do so. But the fact of imperfection, if wept over and repented of, is not condemnatory evidence. Now listen, the fact that my child is little and feeble is no proof that he is not my son. May be like my father and yet be only a tiny babe. Weakness and even faultiness may be confessed and yet we may have confidence toward God. So the verdict, listeners, has to be given with great discrimination. And listeners, the verdict has to be given Mark you upon gospel principles. The question before the court of conscience is not, quote, have I perfectly kept the law, unquote. The answer to that is simple enough. Quote, there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not, unquote. By the works of the law shall no flesh living be justified, unquote. Question is this, listeners, quote, am I believing in the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I resting in him for salvation? And do I prove the truth of that faith by loving God and loving the brethren? And by doing those things, listeners, which are pleasing to God and avoiding those things which are displeasing to God, unquote. Now, listeners, the question is not concerning merit, M-E-R-I-T, but it's concerning grace and the fruit of grace. Salvation is of grace and of grace alone, listeners. Therefore, my inquiry should be this, quote, am I a partaker of that grace? Unworthy though I be, am I washed in the blood of Jesus? Am I covered with his righteousness? Am I accepted in the beloved? Unquote. This is, that is the question. And if ever you get discussing it upon legal principles, you will go wrong. We are not tried in the court of the heart, according to the old covenant listeners, but according to the new covenant. Another book is opened, which is the book of life. Amen. Now, listeners, permit me to say here that this question in the court of the heart must never be settled by our feelings. If the heart be at all right in its judgments, it will never say, quote, I am a child of God because I am so happy, unquote, nor will it exclaim, 
On the other hand, quote, I cannot be a child of God because I am so sad, unquote. Holy feelings may be brought in as evidence, listeners. Holy feelings may be brought in as evidence, but they are hard to estimate. Feelings are variable as the wind. Listeners, feelings depend so much upon the body and outward surroundings, so much even upon the condition of the atmosphere. I protest that as to feelings, I go up and down very much, according to the weather, like glass. Therefore, I make small account of my feelings. I'm very glad I say to myself, quote, keep steady. Be not intoxicated with joy, unquote. If I find my spirit sinking, I cry, quote, oh, one heart, do not play the fool. You have nothing to be down about. Rejoice in God always and have no confidence in the flesh, unquote. Deal thus with yourself, listeners. Deal with yourself, for the question in hand is not, quote, am I happy, unquote, but, quote, am I a sincere believer? And does my faith prove its sincerity by the effect which it produces upon my life, unquote? Let me say that again, listeners. Deal with yourself first. For the question in hand is not, quote, am I happy, unquote, but am I a sincere believer? And does my faith prove its sincerity by the effect which it produces upon my life? Listeners, sinners can rejoice as well as saints. Sinners can rejoice as well as saints. And saints can mourn as well as sinners. The point is not what we feel, but what we believe and what we do, listeners. The point is not what we feel, but what we believe and what we do. Now, listeners, the question of our state ought to be settled speedily. As I have already said to you, it must not be allowed to hang out. We know, quote, the law's delays, unquote. But we must not allow any delay in this court, listeners. No, we must press for summary justice. Does my heart condemn me? Or does not my heart condemn me? Is the question. Now, listeners, get a clear and plain answer at once to this issue. If your heart condemns any of you here this morning, if you say, quote, yes, I am a member of the church, but I ought not to be. I do not live as I should, unquote. If you are not believers in Christ, if you feel that you have no love to your brethren, then take the verdict and go humbly to God and ask him to renew your heart. The door of free grace is still open to your listeners. The door of free grace is still open. But on the other hand, if your conscience says, quote, yes, with all my imperfections and with all my infirmities, I do love God with all my heart. 
I do trust in Christ, for I have nothing else to trust to. I do lean my whole weight upon his finished work. I hang on Christ as a vessel hangs on a nail. I have no dependence anywhere else. I know there's a change in me. I know that the things I once loved, I now hate. And the things I once hated, I now love. I desire to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Then you are in the condition of which the apostle says, listeners, quote, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God, unquote. Now, listeners, let us consider that happy state at some length and then close our discourse. May you all have the fulfillment of holy boldness before God through the operation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This broadcast is brought to you in partnership with the Coach Day Foundation. You can support the broadcast so we can bring you God's word with any type of donation. You can go to www.coachtatefoundation.com, which is www.coachtatefoundation.com. Now, welcome back, listeners. And this is our part two in close. Let us consider the consequence of this acquittal. Let us now consider the consequence of this acquittal within your inward court. Here is the man who has had his acquittal in the court of conscience. Your conscience listeners has said this, quote, he is a sincere man. He is a believing man. He is quickened with the life of God. He is an obedient and God-fearing man, unquote. And listeners, and now you have confidence toward God. Or at least you have a right to such confidence. Now the question is, what does the, that confidence or boldness mean, listeners? What does that confidence or boldness mean? Well, there is the confidence of truth and truthfulness, listeners. When you kneel down to pray, you know that you are praying and not mocking God. When you sing, you are making melody in your heart. And when you preach, you are preaching that which your soul believes. I spoke to you today about things which I was not quite sure of, listeners. It would be wretched work. But I usually feel a great deal of enjoyment when I am preaching. Because to me, the things which I teach are my comfort and my life. Now, listeners, if you do not enjoy the sermon I do, he writes, sometimes I say to myself, these doctrines are exceedingly sweet. I feed upon them myself, and therefore the people ought to be fed. And if they are not, it is their own fault, unquote. Now listen, as a cook may not even get a taste of the joint, but it is not often so with me. Because I believe for myself, I feel a confidence in preaching to you. Confidence towards God is a truthfulness of spirit, listeners, which prevents our being ashamed 
in what we do towards God. Now, listeners, can you say, quote, whatever I do, I do it honestly. Though I am not what I wish to be in all things, yet that which I profess before God is true, unquote. Then you have confidence, listeners. Quote, one thing I know, that whereas I was blind, but now I see, unquote. I do not put spectacles over blind eyes and make people believe that I can see, but I do really see. I know I do. I know I trust. I know I love God. And I know I love holiness. Amen. This deep sincerity, listeners, breeds in a man a blessed indifference to the judgments of men. I'll say that again. This deep sincerity, listeners, breeds in a man a blessed indifference to the judgments of men. Having a conscious void of offense, he feels a holy freedom as to the formalities of pretense. Look at the hypocrite, listeners. Let's look at the hypocrite. He is afraid of being found out. The hypocrite is afraid of being found out. He has to do everything most primly and demurely, lest he should be suspected. Listeners, if you paint your face, you must take care neither to cry nor laugh, lest you crack the enamel. If you should wear shiny clothing, listen, you must not run a jump, for your garments might split. Accidents must be guarded against when you deal with shams and scams. Listen, a hypocrite will censor you very severely for having smiled just now. And he will condemn me outright for being so wicked as to make you smile on a Sunday. Poor soul, he must keep up his propriety, for it is all he has, a hypocrite. In these times, listeners, of bad trade, many people who are ready to fail are afraid to lower their expenditure for fear their poverty should be suspected. I'll say that again. Listeners, in these times of bad trade, many who are ready to fail are afraid to lower their expenditure for fear their poverty should be suspected. And so they keep up a good appearance to stave off bankruptcy as long as they may. Now, listen, if they were solvent, they would not be so fearful. If your conscience condemn you not, listeners, then you will enjoy a blessed ease of spirit because the truth is in you. Amen. I'll say that one again. If they were solvent, they would not be so fearful, listeners. But if your conscience condemn you not, then you will enjoy a blessed ease of spirit because the truth is in you. Now, listen, the next kind of confidence he write about is confidence towards God as to the one's acceptance with him. If my heart says, quote, yes, thou doeth believeth, unquote, then I know from God's word that I have eternal life. The word saith, quote, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life, unquote. Now, conscience says, listeners, yes, thou hast faith. 
and the heart concludes, there is therefore now no condemnation. Therefore, listeners, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Believe me, listeners, the sweetest stream that ever waters this desert world is the river of confident acceptance in the beloved. When you know this, listeners, your life is gilded with the sunlight of the coming glory and your heart rejoiceth exceedingly. Amen. This produces, listeners, and perhaps it is that which the apostle most intended, a boldness of converse. The man who knows that he is truthful and that God has accepted him then speaks freely with God. He feels a holy awe of God and never wishes to lose it. But yet he exercises a sacred boldness towards God. Listen, it is not wonderful to see how Abraham talked with God. He went up to the place where God spake with him. And when God told him that he was about to destroy Sodom, how exquisitely and yet how boldly did Abraham put it, quote, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Unquote. That be far from thee. Unquote. What? Does Abraham expostulate with God? Does Abraham dream that God will do an unjust thing? Oh, no, listeners. But Abraham is bold. He's very bold. And that is the most forcible plea which he can think of. And so he urges it again and again with God. How Abraham pushes his case, quote, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah for lack of fire? Unquote. Listeners, it's wonderful pleading. And it illustrates the words, quote, confidence toward God, unquote. Now let's take a look at Job again. There was a man whose heart did not condemn him. For he could say, quote, Lord, thou knowest I am not wicked, unquote. Listeners, he speaks with God very boldly. And he says, quote, oh, that I knew where I might find him. I would come even to his seat. I would order my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments, unquote. Now, listeners, though the terrors of God might make him afraid, yet secure in the quiet of his conscience, Job has confidence towards God. Now, this is not only confidence in God will mark you, toward, but toward God. So as to speak with God as a man speaketh with his friends. Do you understand this, listeners? I know you do not if you have any doubt as to your being a child of God. Suspicion makes you a coward. But when your heart does not condemn you and you know that you are right before the Lord, 
then you will feel liberty of converse. Amen. Listen, this leads us to our third point. This leads to great confidence in prayer. Confidence in prayer. Let's look at the context. Quote, we have confidence toward God and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight, unquote. Now listen, if you want power in prayer, you must have purity in your life. There is no promise in the Bible made to every one of you that whatsoever you ask God will put, will give it to you. It is made to persons of a certain character. Let me say that again, listeners. If you want power in prayer, you must have purity in life. There is no promise in the Bible made to every one of you that whatsoever you ask God will give you. It is made only to persons of a certain character. The unlimited promise is to the man of God who is so sanctified that he will not ask and does not think of asking anything that is not in accordance with God's will. Amen. Remember this passage, listeners, quote, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart, unquote. The desire of the man who delights in God is always in accordance with the mind of God. Therefore, he is the man that can get whatsoever he wills. I'll say that again, listeners. The desire of the man who delights in God is always in accordance with the mind of God. Therefore, he is the man that can get whatsoever he wills. Amen. When you do all things that please God, listeners, and your life is sanctified and holy, then it is that you abide in God's love. Has not Jesus said, quote, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you, unquote. Unsanctified desires, listeners, will be graciously refused. Let me say that again. Unsanctified desires will be graciously refused. But the will of the sincerely obedient man is conformed to the will of God. And therefore, it shall be fulfilled. Quote, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, listeners. Amen. Our text means also that such a man shall have confidence toward God in all service for God, listeners. Look at the man of God who has confidence toward God as to the perils encountered in faithfully following his Lord. Let's take Daniel, for instance. Daniel does not question about what he has to do when the decree is signed that whatsoever, whosoever shall pray shall be cast into the den of lions. Daniel throws up his window and as he was accustomed to doing, he looks toward Jerusalem and he bows his knee and as he had done aforetime. And he prays to God as if there were no edit. Now, his confidence toward God, listeners, is that he is 
safe in the path of duty. Daniel's confidence toward God while he was in that lion's den is that he is safe in the path of duty. He does not count the cost. Neither did the three holy children when the fiery furnace was before them. But they said this, quote, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship that golden image which thou hast set up, unquote. Listeners, is it not that a blessed confidence toward God which a man obtains when his heart does not condemn him? If Daniel had said, quote, I shall pray down in the cellar or with the blinds drawn down, unquote, he would have lost all confidence toward God, listeners, and would not have been the man that he was in God. Now, if the three children had said, quote, we will bow the knee, but we will make in our minds a secret protest. We will not really worship the idol, but we will worship God while we bow before the image, unquote. They would not have had confidence in God. And last, listeners, what foolish tricks men play today with what they call their consciousness nowadays. This wonderful 19th century is altogether incomprehensible to a simple, honest man. Conscious used to work up and down, yes or no, but now they have an eccentric action altogether indescribable. A man serves the devil nowadays, listeners. A man serves the devil nowadays and gets the devil's pay and all the wild thoughts of serving God. Let me say that again, listeners. A man serves the devil nowadays and gets the devil's pay and all the wild talks of serving God. May you, listeners, have a conscious void of offense, straight and clear in everything, and so you have confidence toward God. Moreover, we have this confidence toward God in the way of service, so we are sure of receiving all necessary help. Amen. And listeners, we'll take a short commercial break and we'll be right back for the close. This broadcast is supported by donations as well as liking and supporting Empower Family. You can go to www.francina.com, which is P-H-R-A-N-T-C-E-E-N-A.com and press donate. And welcome back, listeners. Let's notate God will help the true man. And if he comes to a pitch and he cannot get on by himself, he may boldly summon others of his master's servants to his aid. This is servicing God in confidence toward God. Look at Joshua fighting with the Amalekite. The day is not long enough, and therefore he lays his command upon the sun and says to the son, quote, son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon, unquote. Listeners, he had need of a longer daylight, and he dared the sun and the moon to move an inch till the pursuit of his foes was over. 
This thus made a servant of God challenge help from earth and heaven, listeners, and impress all the forces into the service of his Lord. An officer he finds himself in straits, impresses anybody that passes by saying, in the king's name, help me. I'll say that again. Thus may a servant of God, listeners, challenge help from earth and heaven and impress all the forces into the service of his Lord. An officer, if he finds himself in straits, impresses anybody that passes by saying, quote, in the king's name, help me, unquote. Even so, listeners, if you do your Lord's bidding and if conscience condemns you not, you may impress into the service of the great king every angel in heaven and every force of nature as need requires. Amen. Even so, listeners, if you do the Lord's bidding and if conscience condemns you not, you may impress into service of the great king of every angel in heaven and every force of nature as need requires. I wish I had time to tell you all that confidence toward God means, listeners. It means rest, R-E-S-T, perfect rest. Look at Lord when the tempest was on. Loud roaring, the billows come nearing to overwhelming the ship, but he is asleep. Nobody but he could dare to slumber because anybody and because nobody else has such confidence toward Godlessness. I'll say that again. Confidence toward God means rest, listeners. It means perfect rest, R-E-S-T. Look at your Lord when the tempest was on. Loud whirring, the billows come near to overwhelming the ship, but he is asleep. Nobody but he could dare to slumber because nobody else had such confidence toward God, listeners. He knew the vessel was safe. Why should he worry? True, he was Lord High Admiral of the Seas and had responsibility not only for his own flagship, but for the whole fleet of little ships that sailed with him that day. But he did not give way to the sleeplessness. Because of that, he cast himself on God and he fell asleep. It was the best thing to do. Now, listeners, you and I may do the same. We need not be frightened nor worried nor troubled but just trust in the Lord and do good. So shall we dwell in the land and verify and verily we shall be fed. This listeners is confidence toward God. Amen. This confidence listeners often mounts up into joy. J-O-Y, just pure joy till the Christian man overflows with God in delight. He cannot contain his happiness. I love this. Let's say that again. This confidence toward God, listeners, often mounts up into joy, unspeakable joy, till the Christian man overflows with delight in God. He cannot contain his happiness. As Solomon says, he eats his bread with joy, for God hath accepted his works. He lives with the wife of his youth in full content, and his children are a blessing to him. He goes to his toil, rejoicing to serve God in his calling. 
And he comes home at night to repose himself in the care of his God and Father. All is well, and he knows it. Amen. Blessed man that have confidence in God. Such a man goes up to his last bed when the message comes that the spirit must return to God who gave it. He goes to die without alarm. His conscience does not condemn him. And therefore, he lays himself down in patience and waits the signal to be with God. A Amen. Meanwhile, listeners, the light of heaven stills over our face. And they that come to cheer and comfort him hear strange words like notes of the birds of paradise dropping from his lips. They see that he is in pain, but they also mark that he is baptized in enjoyment. They think that he is dying, but he testifies that he is entering into life. The pearly gate is open before him. The glitter of the golden street is meeting his failing eye. Hear him sing as best his failing breath permits. And when you see my eyes, streams break. How sweet my minutes roll. A mortal pelvis on my cheek, but glory in my soul, unquote. Now he is gone, gone into the land of spirits. He stands before his God, and he is not trembled. He has that eagle eye, which can bear the light of the eternal sun. His heart condemns him not, and he has confidence towards God. Amen. Listeners, amidst the supernatural splendors, he cried, quote, my father, unquote. Angels are crying, quote, Lord and God, unquote. But he saith, quote, my father, unquote. And those loyal servants make room for a royal child. The shining ones escort the happy spirit to the blessed father's feet. There we leave him, listeners. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. May God bless you today and always. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for an inspiring writing, Mr. Spurgeon. This broadcast is brought to you in partnership with the Coach Day Foundation. You can support the broadcast so we can bring you God's word with any type of donation. You can go to www.coachtapefoundation.com, which is www.coachtatefoundation.com. Welcome back, listeners. In our close today, as we reflect on our own lives in truth and justice, life and liberty, God's divinely ordered balanced life, we must ask ourselves, these questions daily. Does my heart condemn me? Or does my heart condemn me not in the inner court of my life? Are we prepared and ready to lead by example today for our next generation? Are we prepared? to receive God's acquittal and live under God's divine order in truth 
and spirit. Listeners, how can you lead somebody else if you can't lead yourself? Have you seen Lady Justice lately? Representing God's acquittal? Manifested in yourself first? And then another external person, place, or thing today, listeners? Listeners, what does your own Lady Justice and God's acquittal look like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like and taste like and feel like? What does your lady, justice, and God's acquittal sense like, listeners? Are you paying attention? Amen. Our closing poem today is submitted and written by Eric Pennington, and it reads as such. Listen to your heart. Let not anyone tell you how you feel, because those feelings are not real. You tell someone, quote, I think I love him, unquote. They say, quote, do you know how long it's been, unquote. Listen not to their words, for they are not yours. But you must listen to your heart. That is always the best place to start. Though your head says it may offend, Listen to your heart always unto the end. Your heart will never mislead you. Say whatever your heart needs to say. So if you're looking for the words to say, take a look into your heart. It will show you the way. Be not afraid to trust me with your heart. I promise I won't make it fall apart. Give me your hand. Just give me a chance. All I ask is for just one little chance. Amen. Now, listeners, we thank you for taking time to listen in to the message of today and this series of God's non-guilty verdict and your inner court confidence toward God and God's acquittal. What a Thanksgiving day it is when we have been acquitted in God. And we thank you for enjoying and listening in to Empower Family Broadcast. We love you. And oh, by the way, Happy Thanksgiving. Until next week, listeners, same time, same station. I am Francina Tate Horace, your hostess. Empower your family with the dynamic new book by Francina Holrus, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are. It's the book that gives you insights into life's problems. Francina Holrus is an author, motivational speaker, and national broadcaster who believes the answers to your problems lies within the knowledge that was once traditionally passed down by families. But that knowledge has been short-circuited by today's faster pace. The book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, brings that accumulated wisdom to the problems that all families face. You'll find 
find your copy of our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are at Amazon and at Better Bookstores. Empower your life with the dynamic new book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are by Francina Holrus. for joining Francina Hallress on Empowered Family Talk. Tune in next week 